Hello, and thanks for tuning into this podcast. I'm Robert Bateman, Head of Content at GRC World Forums, and I'm joined today by Shane McDonald, who is the Senior Vice President of Global Sales Engineering at Onapsis. And we're going to discuss the four things that you should look for when selecting a vulnerability management provider. So Shane, great to have you here. Before we dig into this topic, why don't you tell the listeners a bit about who you are and what you do at Onapsis? Yeah, great, Rob. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to talk to you today. Um, so as Rob just mentioned, my name's Shane McDonald, and I've been at Onapsis for a little over six years now. Um, you know, what we're doing here at Onapsis is something really, really important, and that's helping organizations really secure those mission critical or business critical applications in their ecosystem. But prior to that, I, I did my time a, as uh, an expert in identity and access management and also uh, in storage area networks and, and data management and, and things of that arena. Um, so at Onapsis, what I do is I primarily focus on helping organizations understand where they are with risk today and, and helping them uh, better understand how Onapsis can help them moving forward. And so I have a, a great group of individuals that that report to me, um, uh, the sales engineers here that uh, do a variety of different services and things for for people to help them help them understand that. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Shane. And um, so before we get into the detail here, we're talking about using a third party provider in, in, in terms of vulnerability management in SAP primarily. Could mm -hmm. you tell us a bit about SAP and Anapsis's relationship with how, how you sit in that, that, that kind of environment? Yeah, Rob, I'd be happy to. So, um, Onapsis as an organization has been around a little over 10 years, and it was founded by Mariano Nunez, and Victor Montero, and Juan Pablo Perez Echegoyen. Um, those are three Argentinian guys that really have their uh, starts in uh, security advocacy and, and security research. And what they did was they founded a company that really wanted to help organizations better understand how to harden and secure those mission critical applications such as SAP, um, at that application layer, right? And I know we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But over the years, uh, we've we've really worked a lot with, with SAP and uh, have a great relationship with their security group and actually are part of their endorsed application program. And so, um, you know, partnerships like this between Onapsis and SAP allow SAP to really focus on what they do best, which is helping organizations revolutionize their, their business and supply chains and, and all types of great things. And, you know, really can lean on Onapsis to help with that research and security arm and helping organizations understand what they need to do to really harden and secure those applications there. Good. Thank you. So we're talking about using a third party provider. Fundamentally, why is that beneficial to managing vulnerabilities in, in SAP? Yeah, Rob, great question. So I, I think it's it's really more than just being a third party, right? I think when you're going in and you're looking at uh, vulnerability management solutions, you need to understand the organization and understand how they're getting that information. Um, Onapsis has a robust research arm. We're one of the few organizations in our market that invest in making sure that we have um, security researchers that are constantly going out there and looking for um, 
new risks and vulnerabilities inside of the ecosystem, but also kind of what the industry is doing from a, a threat perspective. And most recently, um, there was actually just a, a CVSS 10 vulnerability that SAP patched in February. That was discovered by the Onapsis Research Labs in November, and we worked with, with SAP through our responsible disclosure to make sure that we were able to, you know, harden that and get that out there. And so, you know, that research labs today has um, been accredited with more than 200 times more than any other SAP partner that's out there from a security perspective. And so, you know, for us, it, it's important to have that research arms, but, but to get to your, uh, the, the gist of the question, which is why is it important to have a, a third party? Well, you know, it's important that you have that ability to trust and verify that you're doing everything that you can to mitigate risks inside of these applications. And so what we're helping information security teams do who historically don't have a ton of application knowledge in the SAP space, we're giving them that ability to have the visibility into that risks and also understand you know, with contextual information and lots of other things so that they can go in and prioritize and make the best decisions and for their organization around hardening that environment. So a little bit of a long answer, but uh, I think I think that covers it, Rob. No, that's great. So really bringing uh, outside expertise into your organization effectively is Bingo. part of this. Yeah. Now, the obviously, the risk landscape has changed a lot in the last few years what with uh, one thing and, and another what are some of the biggest challenges in vulnerability management you've seen emerging over the last uh, the last couple of years yeah you know i think in the industry in general something that's gotten really complicated is there are so many sources of truth right so if you're a CISO today you've got um you know a lot of different feeds of information and in our world, sometimes that information represents more and more problems, right? And I know um, at least the CISOs I talk to really aren't interested in solutions that are just reporting the news. They really want tools and products out there and solutions that help them make sense of all of this, that allow them to help, you know, really prioritize and remediate um, the issues in their environment that are going to be the biggest bang in the buck. I mean, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but, you know, vulnerability means something very different to every single organization based on a ton of factors. So I think that that's probably one of the, the largest challenges that's really come about over the past few years. But if I'm talking specifically about our space, um, what we're starting to see is there's a lot of shifting architectures, right? So um, for decades, organizations have really implemented these, these mission critical applications a certain way. And now over the past, I'm gonna say three or four years, you're starting to see all different types of models emerge, um, you know, cloud-based, hybrid-based, uh, you know, SaaS-based, all, all, all sorts of different um, architectures. And so for, for organizations that do feel like they've, they've kind of figured this part of it out, they're having to reevaluate and kind of figure out if, if what they're used to do is really going to be applicable in this new world that they're they're operating in now. Mm, okay, interesting. So, uh, tell us a bit about how the threat landscape is evolving, specifically with regard to business critical applications. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, to double click on kind of what I was just saying there, right? Um, traditionally. Um, I'll talk about ERPs as an example. They, 
they've always kind of trailed behind what a lot of other industries were doing on an application front. And that isn't because the technologies weren't available or, um, you know, they, there wasn't a need or a desire for that. It's just that making shifts to how organizations fundamentally operate their business is a process. You can't just, you know, go, okay, well, you know, we were a Windows-based shop today and now we're shifting to Linux. And so we're going to do that over the course of the year. You know, these are um, technologies that enable how an organization operates, right? How they onboard people, how they operate their supply chain, how they operate, you know, the actual production of product that goes out. And so it's a gradual change that takes place um, as these things move on. And so that shift that we've seen right here um, has really been that big shift from kind of really a large on-premise um, uh, uh, base into this kind of cloud-based approach. And, you know, when I say cloud-based, I mean, you know, private cloud, I mean, hyperscaler, I mean, SaaS-based, I, I mean, all of that, right? And so with that, um, this is having CISOs and everything reevaluate what that security meant. I mean, when you have everything behind your, you know, inside your castle, behind the moat and everything like that, the way you have to look at risk is different than when you're hosting things. Even if you're doing everything that you can from an endpoint and network perspective, you still now have this exposure that wasn't there before. And, you know, what we've done organizationally to help people understand this a little bit better is Onamsis invested in a, in a threat cloud. So we've deployed um, systems across the globe uh, so that we can provide information to people so that they better understand what are these risks as they make that migration. So we published a threat report last year, Rob, and there was some pretty eye-opening information there. And so we found that within 72 hours of patches being released in these mission critical applications, there are already exploits and POC types of things um, that are, are being tried across these uh, uh, applications. Um, and we're also seeing that within 24 hours of a new system coming online, active exploitations are being done. And so, again, to go back to my point, organizations, a lot of them didn't even patch on a monthly cadence. They just maybe did a biannual or semi-annual service pack upgrade. Now you really have to task your application teams to take a look at all of these patches as they come out and figure out what you can do to get them into production within that window. And if not, what are your compensating control and mitigating circumstances that you can do to kind of reduce your exposure there? Okay, so the acceleration in that shift from, you know, on-prem management to, to, to various different types of cloud management has exposed the, the, these new types of vulnerabilities, new ways of managing things like patching, really quite transformative uh, implications in, in terms of security for, for, for business-critical applications. Now, Let's talk a bit about the four things then that organizations should be considering when they're looking for someone to, to help with this vulnerability management. Mm -hmm. um, the first point that uh, Onapsis thinks is, is an important consideration is providing visibility of critical assets. Now, why is it so important to have total asset vulnerability uh, visibility? Yeah, th there are a lot of examples here, Rob. Um, 
and and I've been working in this space for six years. Uh, and I'll tell you, there isn't one person that I've started to the conversation with where they feel like they aren't doing anything to secure their applications here, right? They feel like they have total visibility, but what total visibility that they thought they really had was really hardening the operating system that they were operating on, or maybe the database level that they're at, um, and then really controlling that authentication and access at the application layer. And so it's really an eye-opening experience for them. We kind of have their first, um, conversation and we talk to them about the application-based risk that exists. That vulnerability I mentioned um, just a moment ago that, that came out in February, called, it, was actually, it was called ICMAB. And uh, this is a vulnerability that could be exploited um, from a black box perspective, meaning no username or password. Really, if, if someone just could ping the type of system, they could gain control of that environment. And so what that means for an organization is that means even if you've done everything right at the operating system and network layer, if this vulnerability is available and accessible, an attacker can get complete control of the application, and now I'm inside the target. This is almost like a shortcut for, for the attacker because in general, attackers aren't trying to just get on the operating system, right? They're looking to actually gain access to data. They're looking to, to pull kind of your intellectual property or, or leak sensitive uh, data one way or another. And so using uh, application-based vulnerabilities like this gets them right on the target and um, oftentimes makes them completely invisible as the other tools aren't looking at that. And so when we talk about having total visibility, we mean that you should have visibility all the way up through from the operating system through to that application layer to see and be aware of that type of risk. Mm, so even those who, who might consider themselves to have total visibility, there's, there's really an, another dimension to that when when, when dealing with the sorts of, you know, the sort of threat landscape that's emerging. Yeah, there's always that other one more thing, right? So, mm. so the second, uh, the second key consideration for uh, when, when looking for a vulnerability management provider is explaining risk in content. So let's let's dig into this a bit. Why is it so important to contextualize information mm -hmm. about risks? What sorts of additional information do security teams actually need? Yeah, so I think context is really, really important. Um, I said a couple minutes ago, right? A vulnerability means something different for really every organization that's out there, right? It can be a CVSS 10, but if it's on an application that one person uses that doesn't house any really anything important there and it's completely air gapped, well, that, that really isn't gonna affect that organization all that much, right? And so I, when, I, when we talk about risk in terms of impact and probability, it's finding that right mix of, right mix of both, right? And so, um, you know, I, I think it's important with a, an application security product that you're able to provide information security teams, the context like the business impact, what the description of the vulnerability are, external links to you know how this has been used in the wild and different things that we are seeing, because all of that context is what's enabling that team to make the best decision possible in terms of what they need to do um, from a remediation standpoint. 
Good. So having that additional context helps uh, really get uh, the, as you say, the, the right mix of of impact and and probability, so you can properly assess the the nature of of a risk. Um, yep. So the, the 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 next of the four uh, qualities of a vulnerability management provider people should be looking out for is uh, about uh, remediation and facilitating remediation. So what what factors lead to successful vulnerability remediation in, in your opinion? And, and, and how does a vulnerability management provider help with that? Yeah, I think that that last part's really important, right? How, how are the vulnerability management providers helping with this? Uh, I, I said, you know, in a lot of the conversations I have with CISOs, um, nobody wants a product these days that's just reporting the news and just telling you, hey, you've got this big nasty risk, go figure it out, right? And so I think building off of what we were just talking about, first thing is understanding the risk and what that means to your organization, right? So all of the things that that we, we just built upon, right? Making sure you're providing an organization what somebody could do with, with that risk inside of your organization. Um, what's the level of effort around, around remediation? Um, you know, how can you, you go in and, and, you know, how broad is this across the ecosystem that you have deployed, right? Because the first thing you want to do is understand the risk to see if you can, you can mitigate it and, and fix it properly. Um, the second is actually thinking about what that remediation looks like, right? Uh, usually applying the patch is, is the best solution, but at least in my industry, that isn't always the um, outcome that you can work towards. Um, business critical applications are oftentimes uh, heavily customized. And so organizations are sometimes a little bit hesitant to implement patches because they aren't sure what functionality might get broken or disabled by implementing that patch. And so when you're looking at what can you do to remediate that risk, sometimes you need to look at what are your proper workarounds or do you need a compensating control so that you can operate um, as best you can with that risk in your ecosystem. And so where I think vulnerability management providers can really help is one, you know, providing as much context as possible, but two, it's also providing what are all the remediation options that an organization has in mitigating risk, right? So uh, as I just said, patching is, is usually the best, but that isn't always what you can do. So what are those other workarounds that organizations can look to adopt? Because, you know, sometimes if you can, you can put that workaround in place with a compensating control, you know, it, it's just, a, it, it's more than sufficient in, in mitigating that risk for them there. Good. So work, working through different possible options, you know, alternative to, to, to just patching is, is quite a helpful sort of value add that a, yeah. that a vulnerability management provider can, can give. And um, finally, uh, you suggest that people should be seeking more accurate risk reporting. So why is the reporting stage, uh, risk reporting, such an important part of vulnerability management in, in your opinion? Yeah, so, you know, I, I think we've touched on a lot of the themes and so that this might seem a little bit obvious, you know, vulnerabilities can be different to everyone, context and data is key in helping to do this. So imagine you don't have any of that, Rob, right? If you're 
if you're a CISO that doesn't have that represented in any type of reporting structure or anything like that, you can feel a bit like you're chasing your tail. If you, you open your, your RSS reader or you know, your SIM feed or anything like that, you could spend your whole day trying to, to mitigate risks in your organization that may not even represent that, that big of an impact or have that high of a probability of actually being exploited, right? And so I think the reporting really comes in to bring everything that we've talked about together in a most streamlined way possible. So that if you're a CISO, you have the ability to look at this, make decisions effectively and quickly, and give your organization the opportunity to be proactive instead of having to always chase, you know, what's the new log for Jay? What's the new um, IC MAD and, and what you have there, right? If you've got the right reporting, you know exactly what's in your organization, what the risk is and what needs to get prioritized and um, how to react when these types of things come about. And so, um, it, you know, I, I think for many people that that question might might feel almost um, rhetorical. So I hope I, I didn't bore anyone with, with, with my response. But yeah, I, I think reporting is a super key factor in, in making sure that you're picking the right vulnerability management provider to help see what's going on. Good. Yes. And I think that is so important because, um, you know, getting, getting an overview of, of of each stage of the, the, the process and um, properly understanding the, the context it really can, if you're able to act proactively on that basis, then, you know, reporting can, can, can help you achieve that. So let's bring this back to Anapsis then, uh, Shane. Okay. What, how do people go about uh, implementing your, your particular solution to vulnerability management? Yeah, so uh, this is my shameless plug time, right, Rob? No, I'm kidding. Um, so uh, I think if anything I've touched on really hits home with you, um, one of the best things you can do is reach out to us. Um, you know, you can hit us up on our, our website or certainly contact me. Uh, I'm happy to have a conversation. We have a really flexible deployment model. So depending on one of these architecture that you, you've adopted, there's usually a solution that we can implement that'll help you. But if you're still kind of in your discovery phase, one of the simplest things that you can do to work with Onapsis and help understand is my team provides um, a, a, a very uh, simple service that'll give you an understanding of kind of where you are today, right? So it'll give you a quick point in time and understanding um, your current risk level that you have on some of your critical applications and then work with you to kind of put together a roadmap so that we can bring that overall risk down over time. So that's good. Well, yeah, that, that that was uh, a plug, but not not shameless at all. <laughs> very much. It's been uh, really interesting to to get into the weeds on vulnerability management with you. It's such a complex threat landscape, always changing, and also the applications that that, that teams are trying to protect are, are always changing too. So it sounds like you and your team. Are working really hard to to try to assist businesses with vulnerability yeah. management at each stage of, of the process. So, thanks so much for joining me today. It's been uh, really interesting to chat with you, Shane. Yeah, Rob, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much.